G'day guys, timer is on. I'll get started on the 13th episode of the Step in Injury Prevention podcast. Hope you guys are enjoying it so far. If you are, make sure you jump across to the Step in Injury Prevention Facebook group and yeah, join the group and let me know about any topics you'd like me to cover um, or vote in the poll about um, general topics that you'd like me to cover. But yeah, really keen for specific questions to your situation. So uh, jump across, link's in the description and let me know. Uh, today, I'll continue talking about sleep. Yesterday, I did a bit of an overview about how you can look at your sleep timing, your circadian rhythm, um, by using particularly light and uh, eating. I should also mention that exercise is a really strong um, stimulus for um, your circadian rhythm as well. So, you might have found this if you've done exercise really late in the day just before trying to sleep. Uh, winding down can be really tricky um, and it can disrupt your sleep a bit. So generally exercising in the morning if possible in the first part of the day while you do have that natural cortisol, the kind of stress hormone spike um, when your body's really primed, that is ideal. But of course everyone's circumstance is different and if you are exercising later in the day that's fine but using some um, tactics that we'll talk about when we get to the sort of stress management side of recovery will be a great way of um, facilitating a wind down so that um, the late exercise isn't such um, a stimulus for awakeness in the evening. So today I'm talking more about the, uh, I guess, sleep architecture, sleep quality side of things. So I was sort of looking at circadian rhythms, that like big picture stuff you're doing throughout your day. Now there's particular, um, what I'm talking about today is more like what can you, how can you set up your environment and what can you do um, to optimize your sleep at, at the time. So one of the first big ones that's, um, you know, most people probably had experience with this is, um, is temperature. So temperature can be uh, just there's nothing worse than being awake at night trying to sleep and it's just too warm, you can't get the temperature right, your covers, like you kind of kick your covers off and you just sort of toss and turn because you're too warm. So temperature is the first one to get um, right because it just plays such a big role in um, how your body uh, gets into these stages of sleep. So ideally what happens when you go to sleep is that your temperature does drop um, significantly. So you start to, uh, basically your whole system slows down, cools down. And then you have this time point uh, kind of just before you, usually about two hours before your average wake up time called your temperature minimum. So the actual temperature that you get to in your temperature minimum is less important, but it's more of a sort of signpost, like a um, a, a time in the evening to think about um, where you basically reach your temperature minimum and then your temperature starts to increase again. And as it increases, um, that's when you start to wake up. So just quickly on the light side of things yesterday, something I wanted to mention but uh, ran out of time to is basically if you start to um, expose yourself to light just before that, like before your temperature minimum, so after you've gone to sleep, so you know maybe 10 o'clock p.m. for um, your average sort of person. If you start, if you expose yourself to lots of light, particularly in that sort of midnight to, if your average wake up time is six, like between midnight and six, 6 a.m., then that's a really strong stimulus for um, you to basically want to go to sleep later the next night and wake up later again. So that's a really powerful um, 
part of getting a circadian rhythm right, which I did want to talk about yesterday, but I thought I'd just quickly pop it in here. Again, if you do want to know more about that in lots of detail, um, do check out the Human Lab podcast, and particularly the first four episodes where he talks about the basics of neuroscience and then the um, sleep in the first three episodes. So, um, but temperature, going back, is basically if we can keep the room cool, that makes a big difference in getting to sleep. So that can be, you know, obviously hard depending on where you live, or it might be very easy if you're in a cold climate, but um, having, yeah, some amount of, of um, cooling in the room um, is ideal, because if you can cool your body down, it'll help you get back, get you into sleep and into a deeper sleep um, as well. There are kind of, you know, obviously the obvious things are um, fans and aircon. Um, that can get really expensive if you're doing aircon every night, depending on your energy setup. Um, but there's some really interesting new options that are, you know, even <laughs> probably more expensive as an initial outlay. But uh, things like a chili pad, um, which is a, a brand is, of... Um, has done these like mattress overlays that pump cool water um, that where you can set the exact temperature you want to sleep at and you can have it set up differently for you and your, um, if you sleep with someone else as well. So that's like the real fancy um, extreme end of things. One of my mates has, um, has got it and it's been really interesting to look at his, um, he, he tracks his sleep data really closely and there certainly has been a big, a big effect on his deep sleep. So the idea of with temperature is basically try and cool yourself down um, Doing having a warm shower before you go to sleep, paradoxically, it might seem like that would really warm you up. Basically, by opening your pores, it kind of stimulates a cooling experience, and then you're, you'll get like a reflective um, drop in your core temperature, and that could be really helpful for going to sleep. So, generally, the advice is like between 90 minutes and um, an hour before sleep, having a warm shower uh, can be a nice way of relaxing, but then also cooling your system down and getting you into sleep. So the other thing is, again, with um, which just like yesterday, we're talking a lot about light, but light in the room makes a really big difference. So basically trying to get your um, environment as dark as possible so you can um, really, because, yeah, again, you've got these light sensing um, uh, cells in your um, in your eyes that are really sensitive and can basically keep you in lighter states of um, sleep if you do have that exposure to light again like i said yesterday the um, eating close to um, going to sleep is going to be um, generally keeping you more awake so that the the more time you can have between your last meal and going to sleep is going to be good but obviously you don't want to wake up hungry um, like in the middle of the night so um, finding that balance is really important uh, yeah trying to get like sound is an interesting one because some people find that like a white noise um, background can really help them uh, get to sleep. I kind of prefer absolute silence, so using earplugs, especially if you have noisy neighbours, unfortunately like we do, who live above us and are nocturnal and stomp around at, late at night. Um, that's been a really key one is getting some good soundproofing. Um, uh, we're like, currently using silicon um, ear, earbuds that kind of really mould to, um, to your ear, so found that to be uh, really quite useful. In terms of like sleep supplements, um, there's a lot of people sort of, I guess, are aware of things like uh, magnesium um, and magnesium and melan um, melanin, melatonin, sorry, are generally the ones that people are, are most aware of. With melatonin, like again, I'm not a um, nutritionist or a doctor, so please do your own research or talk to your health professional um, about this. But with the human lab, he really suggests that if you start to take exogenous, so um, 
melatonin that your body is not producing. So your body does um, produce this yourself. And again, light is a big signal for producing it. Um, then that can really start to have to mess with your base, your body's own production of it. So if you can be um, basically yeah, optimizing your environment rather than taking in external stuff, then your body will be better at producing it. And that's generally yeah, always going to be better for the long term. Um, now with magnesium, there's lots of different types of magnesium, which I think like I didn't realize for um, quite a few years, but there's, there is quite a few different types of magnesium and there is suggestion that, that, you know, it can be helpful. I've, you know, played around with it a bit, haven't noticed like massive changes. And so I think it's always really tempting um, for, to jump to like supplements and to jump to, um, yeah, I guess that syllable, like a pill that we can take to fix all our ills. But generally, if you're eating a fairly like healthy, balanced diet with like high nutrient density, like you generally will have a lot of what you need. You can take um, external uh, magnesium, and it's worth really um, checking to make sure because like, just basically look up which ones are really relevant for sleep. I think it's uh, magnesium three and eight is generally the recommended one. But again, look into that or work with a health professional. Um, and I would really recommend like although you can take that if you're taking a couple of magnesium tablets, but you're not dealing with light temperature, um, the the food stimulus, all the circadian rhythm things, basically you're um, yeah unlikely to get good sleep. But I know it's tempting just to try and look for that one thing that will uh, quickly fix everything without changing behavior. So it's a bit of a, um, it's a really important one to um, yeah, think about those behavioral things and basically just setting up your environment for success. So might, we just bought some um, really good blackout curtains. It's a one-off um, one thing that's going to then um, really pay dividends for a long time by having proper blackout curtains. So um, yeah, try and set up your environment and set up your habits and behavior for success. Um, and the last thing is really trying to wind down and um, have like a wind down routine. So you, you, as I said yesterday, lights are not ideal. So if you're let me just turn off that alarm. That's 10 minutes. So hopefully you've had a great run. Um, things like, you know, staying up late and if you have your phone right in your, <laughs> right in your face and you're getting that big dose of um, light, but also just your, your brain sort of, um, you know, going on overdrive. And if you're, especially if you're looking at work-related stuff or, um, you know, you guys might be checking out crypto markets just before you go to sleep, all those things that are really getting your brain um, ticking along can make it quite hard to get into um yeah, deep, prolonged, good quality sleep. I know that since running my own businesses, um, just stress has been one of the biggest factors that's really seemed to have started to mess with my sleep. So I've started to try and get in the habit of reading a fiction book for a while to get to sleep um, to really let my brain switch off um, from all the regular stresses and <laughs> all the different things that I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about. So uh, having that wind down routine, which you know might start with that um, shower to start cooling your body temperature um, before sleep, you know, it might be potentially if you're, um, you know, if you like it and you're into it, doing some mindfulness sort of stuff, doing um, uh, and then reading reading something that's not going to stress you out and not going to stimulate your brain um, going into overdrive just before you sleep is a great way of setting yourself up to get into a peaceful, deep sleep. So I know this episode, last two episodes haven't been directly about running, but again, you've got to remember that um, recovery is such a key part of a sustainable exercise practice, particularly if you want to be um, increasing on your current level. And for, I guess, most of us who are, um, you know, doing this, then the daily running um, is probably more running than you've done in the past. Like I was doing that for my marathon training leading up to here, but usually 
actually more six days a week, which was still felt like a lot. Um, and particularly if you do want to be increasing your time that you're able to do. So if you're starting out with 10 minutes and then you want to work up to 20 minutes and you want to work up to 45 minutes, um, that's a lot. And again, recovering, like if you're not recovering, then you are going to fall apart and it's just not going to be uh, physically sustainable. So I know this might not seem directly related to um, running, but it is so important. So I hope you guys got something out of today. Um, again, I do really recommend those Human Lab podcasts, um, particularly the first four episodes. So, so interesting, but they are very long. So I've done my best to try and uh, condense that. Like, it's probably about five and a half hours of um, of podcasts there. And I've tried to get it into about 20, 25 minutes over the last two episodes. So hopefully that's helpful. Uh, let me know. And I hope you guys have a great day and I'll see you tomorrow. Again, if you do have any uh, topics you'd like me to cover, jump across to the Step in Injury Prevention Facebook group and let me know or um, ask me a direct question or vote in the poll. And otherwise, I'll see you guys tomorrow.